Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And uh, if you'd like to give us some feedback, you could do so at VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com. There's a section on there for some feedback. Try not to be too harsh on Joe and myself. We're doing our best over here. Um, and finally, if you want to support Joe and I on social media, um, on YouTube, Frontline TV, uh, Frontline TV, and our website, TheFrontlineTV.com, thefrontlinetv.com. And uh, today, we are very pleased to, and honored to be welcoming back to the program. We interviewed her, it's got to be a couple years ago on a different uh, different show we were doing, uh, Lila Lawler. And uh, we're happy to have her on. We are going to be discussing her new book, Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home. This is going to be a great conversation, no question about it. Um, and uh, Lila, that book is available where before we get started? It's available from Sophia Institute Press and on Amazon and in uh, Catholic bookstores. Hopefully any bookstore. Go ahead and ask for it. Ask for it at your library. They'll buy it for you. All right. That's always a great thing. And everybody out there knows what I'm about to say. Please do not buy this. Do not buy the book on Amazon. Buy it on Sophia Institute Press. Let's let's uh, let's support our Catholic authors. That's why we have folks like Lila on the show. Um, because they're interesting and they they've written something down that we think that everybody should be reading. And that's why we, what we want to highlight. And yeah, we want to support our Catholic publishers like Sophia Institute Press. Uh, so please do so. Now, for those of you, uh, before we get into the show who are not familiar with Lila, I'm going to give a brief introduction. Lila Marie Lawler is the wife of one mother of seven and grandmother of many living in central Massachusetts. She encountered Christianity as a high school student and entered the Catholic Church in 1979, the year she married Phil Lawler, noted Catholic journalist. You can watch her conversion story on The Journey Home. Uh, coming from a secular background gives Lila an appreciation for the difficulties and excitement today's families face living its Christian calling. She encourages audiences of all kinds to commit to the renewal of family life. Lila practices kitchen sink philosophy. Uh, that's kind of like Joe and I. We do we do kitchen table philosophy. There you go. Yeah, kitchen sink philosophy. <laughs> we, we love it. At, uh, at Like Mother, Like Daughter, a website offering practical and theoretical insight into all aspects of daily life. She writes on everything from cooking and knitting to education and recovering what she and her daughters call the collective memory. Her three-volume work, The Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home, published by Sophia Institute, um, is what we're going to be discussing. She is also the co-author the co of The Little Oratory, A Beginner's Guide to Praying in the Home, also available at Sophia. And God Has No Grandchildren, A Guide, Guided Reading of Pius XI's Encyclical, Casti Canubi on Chaste Marriage. Um, Lila Lawler, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. our pleasure. We're glad to have you. <laughs> We're going to begin with the prayer, Lila, because all good things start with the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, <laughs> we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. Okay. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Before the show, I was telling Lila that I have a friend who is named Lila as well. 
who happens to be Jewish. And I was going to say to you, do you know that your name means night in Hebrew? Did you know that? Well, yes, it means night in Arabic. My father uh, was Egyptian. And uh, so, yes, in Arabic and Hebrew have a lot in common. So it means night. And it is also a Welsh name. And my mother's background was Welsh. And so that's a funny little connection. I don't think that they knew that when they named me, but um, I found that out later. That's cool. I had a, I had an uncle that was uh, Egyptian, Samir. He was a chemist in mm -hmm. Ka from Cairo. He passed, but uh, I had that influence. I always uh, the accent. I know it from anywhere. If I hear it, I could pick it up in a second. <laughs> uh, um, let's, I was going to say, let's jump right into it. I, I when Joe was reading the bio, I always like to ask people who converted to the faith, like what was the the hook? I mean, because it's a big jump, you know what I'm saying? Like to become Catholic, especially, obviously, I mean, none of us do it perfectly. Um, there's a reason why we say we're practicing because we're practicing <laughs> to be perfect. But I mean, you take it serious, you and your husband, as I like to think I do as well. Um, what made you make that jump? Because to be honest with you, it's, it's a big decision. Yeah, it's a big decision, and it's one that I fell into once I realized that there was a God, and I, um, it's a long story, and there are so many different elements, and as I look back over my life, I, I mean, I was pretty young, I was a teenager, and there are so many different elements that went into it that even now, you know, as a grandmother, I'll be remembering things and think, oh yeah, I never even thought about how that went into my conversion. There's so many paths that God um, led me on, but also allowed me to go on that maybe weren't necessarily good paths, but, uh, but were the way that I discovered that even that he existed and a lot of that has to do with the, the books that I had read and uh, even the songs that I sang because you know um, growing up in the 60s I was a child in the 60s and then back then they had not yet realized the forces of secularism had not realized that they needed to excise um, certain books and songs from schools. And so as public school students, we sing Christmas carols, real Christmas carols, all their verses. And, you know, it was pretty music. And that I think was just a vestige of a previous time, but there's so much catechism in the, in Christmas carols that, it, you know, when I would read a work of literature, somehow in my subconscious would be this catechesis that I wasn't even aware of that, uh, God became man, that he was born in a certain place and time. There are so many things that go into affirming reality, you know, that you encounter so many things and they don't, and ideas, false ideas, and they don't actually ring true. Everybody kind of goes along with them, but you're kind of saying to yourself, well, that doesn't actually really explain what it is that I'm looking for. So little by little, as I was searching for meaning and going along with what the culture was telling me, which was extremely, I would call secular humanist um, and, you know, atheistic and finding no fulfillment in it and reaching back into the stories that I had read that gave me comfort. You know, of course, I laughed with Marcus Gordai when um, on the journey home, as I was telling him, of course, he asked me, asks his guests those questions. And I said, I know everybody who sits here says, you know, I read C.S. Lewis, I read Narnia, and, and that just meant something to me and helped me along my way. So sorry, I'm just one of those people. Um, and, you know, even just to say, as a child, you read Narnia, I mean, actually, those books came out when I was a little child. I remember my mother purchasing them. And, then when I got older, just doing what you do and saying, oh, let me see what else a, an author I love has written and stumbling across mere Christianity and reading that, going on to read Chesterton. There are so many things, plus meeting the man who would become my husband, who was um, a cradle Catholic who had left, pretty much left practice of the church, but was coming back. And so, you know, joint liking him thinking he was a good guy and and respecting him and seeing his questions and and the things he thought were important 
And yeah, all of those things just made it so, so to speak, dawn on me that Christianity is true. And, you know, something that people who grew up with Christianity don't realize is that there are many, many people out there who have not ever heard the gospel story even in its outline, and that was me. So I knew Jesus was born on Christmas morning because as I say, I sing Christmas carols and we did celebrate Christmas and my mother had told me that. My father was Muslim, by the way, so he he did not, but he wasn't a believer. He was a scientist and he believed in science. And, uh, but I had never read or heard or been told that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and then was resurrected. So as a teenager, I, I actually just decided I would read the gospel. And so I did. And when I was, I read the gospel of Matthew. And when I was done, I was just like, yeah, this is it. I believe. Well, that, uh, your your journey is obviously uh, the the journey home interview with Marcus Grodi that is available on uh, YouTube for all those who are, who are interested. It's a great great story, and thank you for that, Lila. Um, now, Lila Lawler is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. The book that she has written is Summa Domestica. Order, oh man, is that a naughty word? Order and wonder in the home. Now, I did a little uh, just a brief uh, background, Lila. I did a little uh, or in the process of do, uh, doing some research on the on your. Uh, book uh i read that you took it took a lot of nagging nagging you know uh from your audience they wanted you to put all of your ideas that you have that you put out there into a book um so how did that evolve how did it go from let's say uh the concept to this three volume set so this is you know this is not like just some paperback sitting at the the edge of the edge of the couch you have a lot to say here all right that's why we're having you on the show that's why we have you on the show at the front line with joe and joe you got a lot to say Uh, how did that how was that evolution how did that work yeah, so, and it is, it's a, it's three volumes, it's beautifully bound, they did a beautiful job producing it, it's three hardback volumes in a slipcase with a bookmark ribbon and index in each uh, volume, so yeah, that is a, an amazing presentation worthy uh, work that came about because I posted on my blog for years, for 10 or more years, just posting little by little and delving into each topic. Um, you know, when I say kitchen sink philosophy, what I'm kind of trying to convey is that I'm a homemaker, I'm a housewife, I raised my seven kids, my youngest was getting to be, <clears throat> you know, a uh, Um, you know, she was a big girl. She wasn't a teenager yet, but she was pretty independent. And uh, blogging had become a pretty big thing. And so I would peruse blogs, I enjoyed them, mommy blogs and crafting blogs and things like that, and, and started to realize that out there, there were a lot of ideas. And this is where the philosophy part of it comes in a lot of ideas that that were current that had been current and have been current for a really long time that are not traditional ideas and they are actually subversive ideas about how to raise children, how to approach your marriage, how to approach keeping the home, even how to approach the differences between men and women. And yes, these things do become evident even on a knitting blog or on a homeschooling blog, you know, a young woman who means well will be saying things and to her, these are new ideas, but to me, a little further down the road, just by virtue of my age, realizing, well, no, these are actually experimental ideas, but but have had some results and the results are not that good. So trying to apply the principles and, and starting to write and on the blog writing, I would do little series. And so I'd write about something and try to go a little in depth and give some first principles and ideas, but still keep it light and, and enjoyable. I was like posting pictures. So, um, because that's what, uh, when you go onto a mommy blog, you just want to see pictures of the person's home and how she does things and, and, uh, be drawn into her ways. And I enjoy that too. But then also to just to delve into all the different various ideas, even why it is the woman who does these things or, or how do you educate your children or what is the point of keeping your home and keeping it neat and tidy? Why would you do that? Or do you just give up and say, oh, it doesn't really matter? Well, little by little, there was some organization, but not much. And then some 
of my followers and readers who are so wonderful would say, I wish there was some way I could give what you say as a present to, you know, a gift to my friend who's struggling or, you know, my godchild is getting married or um, just some way to just put it into a form that we could give. And and you need to write it all down. Now, there's a way of doing that that's just kind of just take the posts and throw them into a book. And I just didn't really want to do that. I think that blog posts read very differently when they're put in a book um, and don't have a timeless quality. So I knew that there would be a lot of work. At first, when I started, I was kind of like, maybe someday this would be a draft for a book. And then after 10 years, I was like, oh, my goodness, I have so much. How am I ever going to pull it together and do something with it? Well, thank God I have a very wonderful editor at Sophia, and she really helped me. But and the readers helped me and certain specific uh, particular friends really helped me. My daughters helped me. And to just make something that is both organized and still retains that flavor of we are sitting down together, having a cup of tea and talking things over and making it um, an incremental journey, not a big data dump, not a like 50 ways to clean up your act. I, I always find those posts right. super overwhelming. I, I prefer to just take one little bit and examine it, talk about it, laugh about it, you know, just go back and forth and then move on to the next thing. So that quality is retained, but hopefully it's also, you know, more polished and t timeless so that um, anyone, I hope, my hope is because I'm all about keeping the collective memory, keeping the traditions, rediscovering the things that the culture had preserved for us and offering them to the next generation. So hopefully that it would be something that would go on the shelf and would be taken down and read for a good long time. And, and, and the book, it took 10 years altogether? Oh, I mean, it took, well, so it took me from the time I decided, yeah, I really need to get going with writing a book. It was five years. <laughs> That's all. all right. But I mean, that also my priority is my family. I am not, this is not my professional work. I do not, um, you know, if something comes up, that's the priority for me. So, uh, and, you know, in the meantime, my uh, son and daughters were having babies and, you know, you want to be there and help. Oh, sure. This is my priority is to make the home. So it is not something that I, I just stopped everything and, and that was Good. it. I all right. No, no, exactly. Lila Lawler, Lila Lawler joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosinello. We're, we're, we're about to go further into the breach because we're going to be discussing this book in a little bit more detail. And it is counter cultural, uh, as Lila said. I mean, be, you know, basically you, you, you've come across all these alternative ways to to create that home. Uh, heaven knows, can we even sooner or later, we probably, well, we know we can't use the word mother anymore. Uh, so that's out the window. So, I mean, just just that alone gets you in a whole boatload of trouble, <laughs> just, so, just so you know. Uh, so yeah, the book is Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home, and that's available at Sophia Institute. So uh, that's what we're talking about. Joe Racinello, where do you want to go? Well, let's break down the volumes. The first volume is on family life. Um, and obviously, you go into the essentials of establishing a home, which are very important. I mean, it's funny, as you were going through how the, the book evolved into the, the various, uh, you know, volumes, I thought to myself, I have a phrase, I should write a book, too. And, and basically, I, I basically call it the art of living. And I mean, I am, well, I, there are people in my family that did go to college. My parents could not. They didn't have the money, to be completely truthful with you. Um, in fact, my father got a half basketball scholarship, and he still didn't have the money to go to college. But I did, and I went to graduate school. And I look to people, my peers, and they don't know how to live. They right. simply do not. They're highly educated. Many of them make tremendous amounts of money. And then I look to my family my parents. Uh, my father was a son of an immigrant who came from Italy and worked in a factory in, in Newark, New Jersey. Um, my uncles, my aunts, they had the art of living. They knew how to live. They lived respectfully. They died with dignity. Our, our society does not understand that. It's common sense 
in many respects. We've lost the art of common sense, the art of living. Talk about the first volume, Family Life. Um, And it's actually the, I mean, I almost gave that title to the book, The Art of Living. That was one of the choices. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And the, the first volume is actually family culture. And, and that is, I think there's a lot of advice about live, live this way, live that way. And, and people don't realize that the culture is built on the family and the, there's a, there's a symbiotic relationship that the life of the family is enriched by other families, above all, by the life of the church. And they, they don't realize, but this is something that I came to realize as I was trying to articulate um, the original kind of jumping off point for me even starting blogging, which was how you educate your children, is that there is a pattern and the pattern uh, makes life so much easier if you follow it, especially, I mean, even down to how you set up your curriculum for your, for your ch- children's education. But even in a broader sense, this pattern is what we call culture, which is just ultimately when you really delve into it, it's the liturgical year. It's the life of the church as expressed throughout the liturgical year. And the year liturgical life is in time and the family is living in time and sanctifying the time and Jesus Christ redeemed the time. So what I try to convey is, and this is in the title order and wonder in family life is that um, there is an order, there is a pattern. And when we conform ourselves to that overall overarching pattern that also exists in heaven, that we flourish and that we then discover wonder and the wonder that leads us to, to, you know, and maybe the second half of our life, as you're saying, Joe, look back and appreciate, have memories and appreciate the things that went into, um, yeah, like good families and, and living well and dying well. And what is the secret? And the secret really is that there is a pattern that they submitted to. And the pattern is a pattern given to us by Jesus Christ. So that first volume is really to say, first of all, to give the explanation, because this always comes up. It comes up when I'm at a party, it comes up when I'm writing the blog, it comes up in conversations because women are profoundly anxious and they say, but why, why do I have to do it? Why does the woman have to do it? So the first part of the book is me kind of answering that question. Some women are very comfortable. They don't really question it and they're, they just live it and you know, find those women and admire them because they have survived the the onslaught of of uh, what is being thrown at them. But but most women, it is in the female character to doubt and to be uncertain because it's just part of of what makes us sensitive and and ultimately nurturing is to be empathetic. So, but the bad side of it is to just doubt everything and to doubt ourselves. So we want to make the home, we feel naturally inclined to do it, but we question why this society forces that down our throats. So I do try to grapple with that. And then it's so important for me to convey that you you establish things the way you mean to go on. So you have a child and just nurturing that child. And so I have a long section that's just on breastfeeding and nursing a baby because we have lost this. Talk about the art of living. This is the most profound relationship. And, um, you know, I'm just reading uh, St. Francis de Sales on the love of God, a theological treatise that is one of the greatest works of theology in the treasury of the church and there are so many examples that he uses and whole chapters where he talks about how the baby breastfeeding at the mother's breast is an image of prayer and of our life of grace how are we going to know that if we have stopped mothers have stopped feeding their children in the way that god meant so i have chapters and chapters and <laughs> just problems and like because you need that friend you need that friend the older mom who's going to sit next to you and say oh honey just do it like this or maybe if you just did this and so actually my editor was kind of like do we need all these chapters I was like yes we need all these chapters <laughs> believe me I've had so many letters of moms just saying it's, it's so funny oh go oh, ahead me. I'm sorry go Lila go ahead oh. 
Go ahead. No, it's just so funny. I I I feel like you know we're, we're saying things that just like nowadays you could could really. I mean, if they bring back Joe and I always say at the show um, on the show is that if they bring back the guillotine, Joe and I are the first to go. I mean, this is a conversation. <laughs> you're using words like woman, like like I mean even think. I mean, this is how you're you're talking about that uh, you know uh, breastfeeding. Let's say okay, where that's as the, and and you figure like nowadays that'll be controversial. We're using the word woman, and right. that's controversial. Right. Look at the Supreme Court nominee hearings recently. That's controversial just right. to use the word woman. So I can imagine just how much trouble that we're getting in here. <laughs> Lila Waller joining Believe us here. Me. I'm no, I know, I, all the time. So then, remember, the, remember, I will say this. I, I just was reminded, like you, you were, you were just saying. I was reminded of a phrase: Catholics were born for battle. Go ahead, Lila. I cut you off. <laughs> no, that's all right. We are. And um, so another thing that I noticed was um, online was people just not understanding how children need to be disciplined. You know, we we do in some level understand that children need affection, although I think we're not affectionate enough. I think in practice, um, in practice, there's this very strange psychological expert driven way of talking to children that actually repels me because it's so unnatural and, oh, good job. You did a great job. Like, why are we talking to our children that way? It's not affectionate. But on the other, the flip side is we do not think that we need to discipline children. So I have a whole section on how to discipline your children. And then I talk about family culture, about parties, how to have good parties that fit into the pattern of the liturgical year, which is also the secular year fits into that too. Like even just how a 4th of July party can um, really build the culture of the family the community, friends, friendship. I have a lot about um, just how to have dinner with the children, how to have dinner with the children when they are toddlers falling under the table, how to have dinner with the children when they are teenagers who have jobs and have to run out the door, um, how to relate to your husband or wife, how not to destroy your family by making certain key mistakes. I have four secrets to not destroying your family on purpose. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so things like that, things that I've learned, I've learned from my friends. I've learned from living in a good community. I've learned from making mistakes and I just needed to put all that down. So that volume is really culture, family culture. Family culture. Lila Lawler joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasolo, Joe Rosinello in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network. The book is Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home, available at Sophia Institute Press. Joe, we, we could start a question, Joe. We probably have about a minute and a half or two before the break, so I'll hand it over to you. Well, I, I guess we could start the education question um, because that's the second volume. Obviously, there's a lot of concerns. I have young children. I'm at a different stage uh, than you, and I have five under seven. Um, and my kids go to Catholic school, um, and I'm in the poorhouse because of it, and will be in the poorhouse because of it. Um, people have different options. You know, there are different options. Every family's different financially. I mean, like in every way, shape, and form. But the common theme, I think, whether you're Catholic or Christian, is the public education system. I don't think it's even arguable. You could argue about it. I mean, what they're putting forth goes against Christian principles, particularly particularly traditional marriage, transgenderism. I mean, this is not even like, you know, this is, to me, common sense. I mean, and it doesn't comport with what we believe. How do we handle it? I mean, everybody's different. You homeschool, Catholic school. I mean, however way you're going to do it. But to be honest with you, it's everywhere. It's not just, you know, used to be like, oh, it's in that community. No, no, no. It's everywhere in every state. Actually, Lila, hold that thought, okay? Uh, let 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 us go to the break, okay? Because uh, that's something I'm not going to want to interrupt you talking about education, okay? So <laughs> Lila Lawler is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, the book. Please go out and buy it, okay? Please go out and buy it. Sumo Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home. It's available at Sophia Institute Press. If you have to, buy it on Amazon because it is available on Amazon. We don't want you to, but we want you to have the book. So however you have to get it, please get it. Uh, remember, we're at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Download the app, Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so that you can have access to all of our station's content. 
Joe and I can be found on YouTube at The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV, or our website, thefrontlinetv.com, thefrontlinetv.com. So we're about to discuss education, and we're going to let Lila rip on that one. So stick around. We're coming right back. Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello in The Breach with Lila Lawler, and we are discussing her new book, Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home. So I'm just going to hand it right over to her because we ended the last segment asking about education, okay, the education of our children. So, Lila, I'm going to hand it over to you. So in this volume, what I'm trying to say is that the responsibility, the duty and the task of the family is to educate the children. It is the primary duty of the mother and the father to educate their children. That with the end or the purpose of marriage is to have children, to, to be fruitful and multiply. The two, the husband and the wife have a union. They have a beautiful unity that in the case of baptized Christians is a sacramental unity. And so it does have um, sacramental grace and that grace enables them to, if they are open to it and would, would, would seek it, they would, they would be able to be as fruitful as God wants them to be, to have children, to have as many children as God sends them, to love them, and most of all, to nurture them. Uh, having children goes, it's inseparable from nurturing them and loving them and educating them. And this education is only a very small part of it, is the curriculum, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, the the great greater part the 99% of it is first of all helping them go from being held at the breast to looking around to beginning to crawl and in every stage walking talking to know that there is a reality that there is love that there is truth and that we can know it. And even a tiny child, even a little toddler comes up to you and lisps and says something to you and he trusts you and you say, you know, we must be gentle. We mustn't, um, we mustn't pull the kitty's tail. And that child is getting an education in reality. And it will also get reality feedback because if he pulls the cat's tail the cat will scratch him and then mommy says oh i'm sorry you got scratched next time we have to be careful even those little things that we don't even think about we don't even acknowledge or give the the least tiny importance to that is education because little by little the child is learning there is a world out there there are other people it's not just me it's not me and my needs it's oh, there are other people. I have to take care of them. I have to not hurt them. I have to actually love them. And the family is the most important, beautiful place where this education happens because in the family, people love each other. And so when you have done something really naughty, (laughs) 
you will get reality feedback, but in the context of love, which is very different from if you were out there just thrown into the world wherever, or even if you were in an institution, no matter who it was run by, people were not going to love you as much as your parents. And so you'll get that feedback, but it will be not be given to you with affection and love. So education is this big picture of little by little, giving the child the tools of self-control, giving the child the understanding that there is a world out there outside of himself and what his role is going to be in it. And very shortly, he's going to be out there in the world fulfilling that role. And there's just a short window. And that is, and you know, parents are learning too. So a lot of what I write about is that that process where we learn, I mean, I'm a grandmother and I'm still learning about things and still getting, you know, um, just little uh, checks of just saying, yeah, I kind of was wrong about this, or, you know, I need to know more about this or what have you, or just seeing that life is development and the parents are developing too. And God has made a wonderful plan, which is that the parents learn as the child is growing and um, the child doesn't really remember that much about what the mistakes that the parents has done early on. So you get a good, you get a good amount of time to figure things out before they'll really hold it against you. But then I do delve. So a lot of it is about that education in that sense. And then I do delve into um, educating children in the more narrow sense. And especially that is helpful, I think, for homeschoolers, people who have decided to take on the education of their children in the home in that more restricted sense of teaching them to read, write, and uh, learn particular things about history and science and also art and music. I talk a lot about music because music is a very uh, important part of learning about reality and especially objective reality and of learning how to relate to other people in a in a way that transcends just necessarily sitting down and talking to them but singing with people is an art that we have lost we now even even singing christmas carols or uh patriotic songs or the national anthem we have reduced that to being entertained by somebody's um very packaged version of this particular let's take the national anthem we're going to sit there and listen and be entertained by it well the national anthem is something we all should sing together it is not an entertainment moment so things like that that i hope to challenge people with of let's teach our children to do these things this is culture and this is how we will revive our culture and education is so important to speak to the point of um, the corruption of our educational institutions and is not only limited to public schools, it, it permeates every institution. And this is actually, not to get too heavy, but this is actually a project of Marxism. It's called, uh, it was formulated as such, the long march through the institutions when the Marxists realized that uh, outright war was not gonna always be the solution. Um, tyranny where um, an army or a, a a police force just suddenly comes and takes over and doesn't allow you to speak. You know, there's a they find that useful in certain circumstances, but not necessarily a long-term plan. So they developed um, certain Marxist thinkers developed um, a an idea, and this idea has been wildly successful, which they they dubbed the long march through the institutions, and that is simply to place people with. Marxist ideas, ideas of ideologies of equality, ideologies of um, tearing down the past, subverting common sense, replacing all those things with um, their own particular goals, placing those people where they could directly interact with young children. And that yeah. has happened. And so now, um, it is why, to be frank, I think it's a little misguided. I mean, it's necessary but insufficient to have laws against, for instance, critical race theory or gender ideology. I mean, we probably do need that. But if you need a law for that, you have a very serious issue, which is that you have people in place who are determined to present their subversive ideas. And I I'm now an old lady. I'm 62 years old and uh, 61. I won't be 62 until May. <laughs> and um, when I was a girl in fifth grade, this is 1972, 
my teacher, I mean, she knew she had, she had a, a captive audience and she absolutely talked about all sorts of things. And I can remember a day very clearly when she, we were having some discussion about a book and she just out and said, you know, it just doesn't make sense. If, if two women love each other, why couldn't they get married? So she just said that to a bunch of fifth graders. Now, if that was happening in, in 1972, I'm sorry, that woman is probably dead and gone now. And there are her progeny, so to speak, who have, that was one woman. There is now basically an army of so-called educators at every level who simply have their own idea of how, how life should be lived. And they are mm -hmm. more than willing to put it out there. And what are you going to do? I mean, to me, it, it is not, homeschooling is actually not ideal. There are some people who feel that homeschooling is absolutely the way to go. And in an ideal world, that is what you would do. I happen not to be that person. And I also think that Catholic teaching suggests otherwise that schools are a good thing. But I will say very frankly that today, it would be a very slim chance of finding a school where there would not be some subversive idea that was contrary to not only never mind Catholic teaching, but just contrary to reality, to natural law, to how things should be, and that children are being indoctrinated day in and day out, and that even people who claim to be um, strong people of faith do not themselves understand how they have been indoctrinated and their ideas have superseded what the actual true and good ideas are. So I think parents have to be extremely vigilant. And I offer in that volume, my best shot at just giving principles. And I don't give specific, um, you can get those things elsewhere, specific ideas for curriculum, but I try to give principles with which to judge. And I try to give criteria so that um, when you're evaluating a curriculum or when you're looking at a school or when you're talking to other people or when you're just thinking and praying about your own children, that you'll be able to make good decisions. Absolutely. Lila Lawler joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. Man, that 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 segment brought us right into the breach. If we weren't there already, Lila, uh, the book is Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home. It's funny you mentioned the long march through the institution. Joe and I bring it up on the show all the time. Stalin would have none of it when Gramsci proposed it. He, he, he exiled um, Gramsci. All right. And in, in the meantime, Stalin just wanted to kill you disagree with the revolution we'll just take you out that was that was uncle joe um and uh, but turns out gramsci was right unfortunately that's my point in bringing it up <laughs> unfortunately he was absolutely correct uh the corruption of the church the corruption of the home the corruption of the education system corruption of the media corrupted all from the inside it all just fall you know just I mean, the, the principle is correct and and was articulated by classical philosophers aristotle and plato knew and said that the child has to be formed before the age of reason to know what to, they've said this in a very interesting way, to like and dislike what they ought. And so the principle that you take, a, a, in, you enter into the formation of of the young person and you really do have the power to direct them of course it matters which way you direct them and if you're if you're actively correcting their idea of what they ought to like and ought to dislike then what aristotle says is if that is not done if that if it happens that they are corrupted that then later they will not be able to be taught metaphysics they will not be able then to go on to apprehend the greater truths um, of the of life and of the things that we need to be real men to be uh, thinking rational creatures. Now, of course, he was a pagan philosopher, so I do think there is 
uh, philosophers, I think there's a room for grace and there's room for common sense. Um, you can you can be formed in that good way. A child can receive that formation or somehow not uh, not be uh, completely devastated by a, a false formation just from contact with something that is good and true and beautiful. However, we have another problem, which is that even those things have been corrupted. So for instance, even when you take a child into a church, if the church is ugly, if the music is bad, if what is, um, if the people in your, if you don't have that wise grandmother who's sitting and praying the rosary, instead she's off, you know, <laughs> doing something crazy and, you know, has run off with her lesbian lover or something, then the child has nowhere to turn and, and is really sunk. So it's really up to the people who are now starting out and they really, it's a natural thing to want to, to want to educate your children. God has put the, the desire to do that in your heart. So what I'm trying to say is just great, go with that. And here are some principles to follow. And here are some dangers. I, I want to hand it more topics. Lila, we'd love to get into, um, we don't have a, a whole lot of time, but I will, I will sure. say this. If you want I mean, I'm very encouraged when people fight against the public education system, okay? Um, I think there are evil people who want to corrupt other people's children. My view, you want to corrupt your kids, go right ahead. I can't, I, I guess I can't stop you, but don't corrupt mine. And like you said, some people don't have the choice. Their kids are in the public education system. What I would say is that's why your book is so important. That's why your ideas are so important. If you lay the foundation by the time they get to school, yeah, even little kids will know to reject certain ideas. Or at the very least, those ideas are going to bounce off them because they don't recognize them as truthful because they've been formed first in the home. But we got to... I'm sorry. Maybe. I'm, I can't... I don't know that I can completely agree with that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, at, honestly, at least... I, I, I think would we're, say we're, people, you know what, get your kids out. I, I think kids would be better off not in school, just running around outside than subjected to that. But I agree. I agree that at some point, you know, that early time is crucial. You absolutely can't. So the, even the idea of daycare, um, the idea of preschool, all those things, those things are so not okay. And uh, I just need to be here to say, I mean, am I the only person saying this? No, don't put your children in daycare. Hello. And you know what? My husband is the smartest man I know. And he didn't even go to kindergarten. You know, he started school, his formal schooling in first grade. Hello, if women were home, they could do this. Just choose poverty. I'm sorry. That's what we did. Just choose poverty. Go somewhere and raise your own children. I'm here well, to that's, say no, That's radical. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's radical. Uh, Lila Lola joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you. Well, that's that's very true. And I think we got to talk about that. Something you said is within the bosom of every woman is a deep desire to be at home. I, I would agree with that. And then you also wrote this. And I think this is uh, very wise. Actually, you say, um, obviously, life is hard and people have different situations in this world. Um, you say pray together. Husbands and wives have to have conversations by simply doing and praying, it will lead you to answers. Now, ultimately, again, everyone's situation is different um, in this life, and life is hard. Uh, talk about the need that's in the bosom of every woman to want to be at home, but also coming to those conclusions. Because to be honest with you, um, as we all know, we live and we learn. Everyone has a different situation uh, financially, uh, you know, different things are put on different people. People don't have benefits. Uh, there's all type. I mean, I'm just saying like realities of life. Uh, talk about that. Talk about praying how God leads us to truth and also to see past our own hangups. You see, everyone speaks through a lens, whether you like it or not. Everyone has an experience, but when we're honest with ourselves, when we pray, when we go to confession, God leads us to the answers. That's true. That's true. So, <clears throat> well, I'll answer your questions. Um, and I want to say that just real quick, my answer is actually in that third volume. So the third volume is keeping the home housekeeping. And um, I believe that women are completely uh, betrayed in 
the innate desire that they have to keep their home by two things. And one is that they, uh, you know, it's kind of us being sold into slavery to uh, be sent to college before you really have uh, a mature formed mind to make life choices and nobody is talking about you know when you're 15 16 nobody sits down with you and says your vocation is coming what you know pray think about it whatever they just send you to college you get super duper in debt and as a woman you are then carrying a huge load of debt and I mean speaking in very practical terms you have been sold on the idea nobody even discusses it they just sell you into slavery but the idea behind it is you're going to have a career because now you're a liberated woman. So when you emerge from college and you get married, or in some, most, no, people don't even get married. They just live together and then they have a baby. And the desire is there to be there with your baby. No woman really wants to put her baby in daycare, but she is in slavery. And Pope Pius XI said this in Cassidy Kenobi, he said, it will be wage slavery because she is in debt. And that's, a, that is just a simple fact. She's no, I, I agree with you. I'm glad you said that because second, that's reality. That's reality. The second thing is that, um, so, so being, being put into debt is, is just a huge, it is literally a, a ball of iron around her ankle and her husband or her partner quote unquote cannot say oh yeah honey you're crying because you don't like leaving the baby but oh honey don't worry I'll take care of you no they're super in debt she has to work all right the second thing is even if she were to stay home and believe me I have readers who have told me they have written to me and said I had debt from going to law school because my parents made me go to law school my debt was the size of a mortgage of a big house, not the size of a payment on a car. You're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if you're a woman, if there's two people and the woman has that debt, never mind the husband's debt, they gave they gave up everything to live in a tiny apartment in the city because she they sold their McMansion, they sold everything because she knew I ha I have to be I can't go into all the details but it's like the pressure to stay in that rat race and they said nope I need to be with my babies I need to be home my law firm my great law firm that gives me six months maternity leave is not going to be okay with me having six children. They're fine with that for one baby or two babies. But then after a while, it's like, okay, honey, you've had enough babies. We're not paying for you to take that much leave. Anyway, they give up everything. And now this is the second thing. This is the second thing that militates against the woman following what's really in her heart. She does not know how to take care of the home. And since every voice in her brain every voice outside is saying it's not worth it it's dumb it's you you're too educated for this you're better than this why would you clean toilets when you could and of course they reduce it to cleaning toilets they reduce making a beautiful home a cozy loving however modest however humble a place a refuge a peaceful place where the husband who has worked home can hard can come home to a place where the children can learn they make that treasure, they reduce it to, you're going to be cleaning toilets and you want to be a drudge. And then, you know, put up a plaque that says, bless this mess, hate yourself because you don't know how to do any of it. Think to yourself, I could be getting a paycheck. I have been educated to a certain degree. And so then you give up the whole thing because it seems like, well, I'm not competent at it. So my a very big part of my mission is to say, I am going to help you be competent because guess what? I was that girl too. I didn't even know how to sweep a floor. And I had to learn. I had to learn all the things because I was determined despite my education, despite being spirited, despite being told by my dad, my Egyptian Muslim father, oh, you have to go to graduate school. You need to become a professor. I wanted to be home with my kids. Well, being home with your kids means you have to know how to put dinner on the table. You have to know what to do when the toddler is screaming. You have to figure out when they poop themselves. Like you've got to figure out all this. You have to become competent. Now, that's why I have my third volume. I literally am saying, 
Here is how you go shopping. Here is how you plan a meal. Here is how you do it on one income. Here is how you do it when you have very little. Here's how to go thrifting so that you can get your furniture in your home without going even further into that. Not only are they in debt from their education, then they go buy everything new and it's all falling apart in five years. It's a nightmare. Our culture is in a nightmare and this nightmare is a nightmare for women because they cannot just do what they want to do, which is just raise their own children. Joe Rasinello, we have about five minutes left. Lila Lawler is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. You must go out and buy the book. Uh, I, I, Lila, I tell you, we 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 could really have this conversation for like hours and hours. I mean, I wrote like I, thousands of pages. <laughs> I, I know. So you, you have to go out and buy the book, Summa Domestica, Order and Wonder in the Home. Joe, we have time for one more question. Uh, so go wherever you want. Well, I, I want to talk about basically structuring a life. And I think this is what's learned. You talked about forming your children in and obviously we're talking through a Catholic lens because we're all Catholic and the word sacrifice comes in. You see, I learned that because my parents sacrificed. My mother never had new shoes. My parents sacrificed. My father was a barber. Like I know what a working class family sacrifices to send a child to get educated. They never had new cars, never. So it came easier for me. It's not easy for everyone else, but love hurts. Mother Teresa said that. We don't understand that as a culture. When I mean hurts, there's sacrifice. It's not compromise. It's deep sacrifice. I give my life to my wife and my kids. We don't have that anymore. And I've taught pre-Cana, and I look at the faces of young people who are getting married. That's not what's on their mind. They don't know what love is, and they sure as heck don't know what sacrifice is. And everything you talked about requires that. And we're not prepared for that. And that's learned through Christianity and the cross of Jesus Christ. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I totally agree. However, I would just say, come on, let's have a little bit more of a fighting spirit. I'm sorry. Like, um, yeah, we... You know, people, I, as I said, I post pictures on my blog all the time. I pick, post pictures of, you know, have just some pretty little corner in my house or something. And people will write to me and be like, oh my goodness, everything you do is so pretty. How did you do that? Whatever. One time I had a post. I had to do this. I, a mom had written to me to say, I feel guilty not working because I know that I can earn a certain amount of money. I do want to stay home with my kids. I feel guilty. And so I wrote this post about all the things that the mother does in the heart of the home. And actually, she's actually also practically managing the money because it makes no sense for two people to make a lot of money. And then they have to hire everything out. Like you need one person to be actually managing and being the... the the mind and the brain to figure out how to do things. But anyway, I said all those things. I had all these pictures. And at the end of my post, I said, everything that you see in these pictures, I have either bought at a thrift store, been given by somebody who bought it at a thrift store, or literally found at the side of the road. Literally, my living room furniture, half of it comes from things I have picked up on the side of the road, sanded down, painted, whatever. Let's have a fighting spirit. Let's not be like, oh, poor me. I never had a new car. Whatever. We went, I think my first new car was after we married for like 25 years. The, you know, the, I, we had a point where I wasn't even buying clothes at a thrift store. I was relying on friends of mine dropping off bags on my back porch. Like that is, but whatever, like just, let's just, have a fighting spirit to say or you know you want to say battle the culture well you don't battle with a sad face you battle by just jumping in and saying this is fun my kids have memories of fun things that we did and I think you know I felt like oh gosh we're not going on vacation but you know they're all grown up now and they're like oh mom we enjoyed that like we had a great time I still do lament not being able to have summers wherever on the beach or something but Honestly, what matters to them is that we loved each other, that the knowledge that they have, that we, my husband and I did not say no to having more children. They have siblings. That, that is the greatest gift. 
but let's be, let's not say, oh, well, you know, spirited people can't do this. No, spirited people are the ones who should do it and we should do it cheerfully. And we should know that, like, what if, you know, in the past, yeah, people sacrificed to send their kids to college. Honestly, today, we don't really have to worry about that because the colleges are all corrupt. You can't send your children to lie at a college, to lie about someone. It's a man. Well, really, it's a woman. Let's just be cheerful and not worry about it. That's it. Well, that's a great place to leave it, Lila. We appreciate it. Cheerful, cheerful. We're joyful people. We're Roman Catholic. That's why we're, we're, we're joyful and we're cheerful. Thank you so much. Lila, once again, the name of the book and where folks can buy it. <laughs> So it's the Summa Domestica Order and Wonder in Family Life, and you can order it at Sophia Institute Press. Very often they do have little promotions, so go ahead and buy it there. If you live in Canada, I know you have to get it at Amazon because the shipping's prohibitive. That's fine. Do me a favor if you buy it at Amazon, leave me a review. It really helps others find the book as well. And um, yep, and I'm at like motherlikedaughter.org. And I have another blog that's called Happy Despite Them. So anybody can find me at those places. That's awesome. Let's please support Lila by the book. Um, and go read the blog. I mean, it's just, as you can see from this last hour, it is uh, here from this last hour. There's a lot of information out there that is extremely, extremely useful. Lila, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We're going to have you on again soon, I'm sure, and we'll get you into some more trouble. And thank you all out there <laughs> at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, 103.5, <clears throat> excuse me, 13.50 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York City metropolitan area spreading the truth of the catholic faith please be sure to download the veritas catholic radio network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content and remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere we will talk to you soon